Maybe you came in here. I know you know you could say this with me. I am blessed. But for some of you, maybe you walk through here and maybe you feel like I'm not as whole as I once was or as I should be. But I want you to know that Jesus is our healer. He is our way maker. He's our miracle worker. He is light in the darkness. He's our promise keeper. He is our redeemer. Amen. Do you receive that today? If you came in here today, maybe there's something that's that's heavy on your heart. I don't do this, but I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to do this this morning. And if you feel like, you know what, I just need prayer. You know what, I know everybody's looking around and for some you say, I don't care. I came to church. This is the place where I meet Jesus because in his word it says we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. And today Jesus is among us. He's here in this sanctuary of prayer and of praise. And today, if you need prayer, I just want, if you will, just slip up your hand. You need prayer all over. The, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We all need prayer. We know how good our God is. Amen. And we know that he is our redeemer. We know that, you know what, maybe in your life you're going through something mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. I don't know what it is. It's not up for me to know. It's up for God to know. And that's why we came to church. That's why we're here, to be encouraged, to be edified, and to pour into one another. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God answers prayer? So I want you to do this, if you will, with me. Just take your hands and turn them upside down like this. And let's just receive whatever anointing and blessing God has for us today. Father God, we just love you and we thank you, Father, for you are who you say you are. You are the Son of the Most High God. And Father, today we receive whatever you have for us. Father, we love you. We are so grateful that, Father, we can come before you. So, Father, right now our hands are open wide. Our hearts are open wide. Our hearts are receptive to whatever you have for us. And today, Father God, we pray that you will fill it to overflowing. God, we believe that right now that you are answering prayer. Lord, that you are manifesting yourself, that you are showing yourself real. And so, Father, right now, I know there are needs in this room. And, Father, we're asking that those needs are met. You say in your word that you shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. So, Father, today we accept whatever you have for us. And, Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Listen closely. He is more than you could ever need. He's more than the eye could see. I don't deserve his love, but he's always been there for me. You see, Jesus met me when I was at my lowest. And if you don't know Jesus, know this. He is the greatest example of generosity this world of greed has ever seen. And when Jesus hit the scene, he changed the scenery and met diversity with serenity. If you're looking for peace, he offers plenty. Jesus was and Jesus will forever be king. And when the angels sing, they sing of the grace that was displayed for sinners like me. I can't explain him and I can't describe him. And if I could, he wouldn't be Jesus. Because you can't explain eternity and you can't comprehend the galaxies. But it was the loving hands of Jesus who spun them into existence and created man knowing he would go to the cross to pay our sentence. There was a certificate of judgment with a period after the sentence. And we were sentenced to death long before he said it is finished. He is a father to the orphan, a shelter for the homeless, a hiding place for the abused, and an anchor for our storms. He stormed the gates of hell and came out on top, and the power of his gospel cannot be stopped. Even when the world tries, they try a lot. He traded places with Barabbas and became the catalyst of missions across the world covering every portion of the atlas. If you're in need of rest, I know of a mattress. If you don't know Jesus, your future is tragic. But he gladly embraced tragedy so we could live in his presence of majesty. His presence is presence. And it's his presence that presents preciousness to a world of peasants. He is far from pretentious and still loves those who are. He is the light of the world and hung the stars. He brings the dead to life and delivers life to the dead. He took a crown of thorns on his head so we could put crowns at his feet. And I can't wait until I get to kiss his feet that were nailed to a cross for me and for you and for every person around the world. He loves the world and I love his word because the word became flesh and in his flesh he demonstrated the word to the world. He is an example to every boy and every girl. He is a lover of black people. He is a lover of white people. He is a lover of the unchurched and the assembly under the steeple. He doesn't see the believers failures but still takes time to celebrate their faithfulness. It's the power of the spirit that enables us and gives us boldness when the world labels us. And if you want to label me, please call me a Jesus freak. If that freaks you out, good. 
because it's better to be good with God than to fight being misunderstood by a world that could never understand. So let it be understood that I don't worship man. We worship Jesus. And although he doesn't need us, he still sees us and pleads with us to run to the cross where he bled for us. His heart bleeds for us. His heart grieves for us. But still graciously grants us a pardon for our treason in a season where the world tries to explain away the work of the spirit with human reasoning. There is a reason they can't. Because the spirit is like the wind and the wind cannot be seen. But love is the one who believes without seeing the unseen. I'm telling you today that Jesus is something. He's something more. He's something great. And if you want to know him, you don't have to wait. He stands at the narrow path with a key to the gate, and you only have to reach out and embrace his grace. I don't care who's president. I have a king who is always present. I don't care who holds musical celebrity. The voice of the Lord will always be the sweetest melody. I don't care who owns the riches of the globe. My Jesus holds more wealth than one ruby on his robe. I don't care who is the strongest or the fastest. Nothing matches the creator of the universe and his immortal, infinite status. I don't care about religious leaders who died and stayed dead. I'll only worship the one who conquered death and wears a crown on his head. His name is Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's something. He was faithful yesterday, and he is faithful today. I can feel his presence whenever I pray. And when the time comes for me to fade away, I'll remember the day I heard him say, My name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. We're done. God bless you. Oh, I'm like, wow, that is powerful. I have loved this series on building better relationships because really that's what life's about is building better relationships, falling deeper in love with Jesus Christ. But let us become the pattern and and the model of who Christ is. So if you have your Bible, are you thankful to have the word of God? Isn't that why we come to church? Amen. So if you have your Bible, you can hold it nice and high. And we're going to say our Bible decree this morning. Because I believe we're in a time in our nation, in our world, where people need Jesus. Amen? So let's say this together. Follow if you would, please. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. Children, you are dissed, dismissed. You are dissed. All right. What a what a cool what a cool season to be able to talk about relationships when we were in the love month. But I believe that God has been really moving for all of us to understand the depth of his love that he has for us and and really what is that like? And yes, I know that many of us can say for God so loved the world. We know the scripture. We know what it says, but I think more importantly we need to be imitators of God. Now, I want you to listen to me very, very carefully this morning. And I want you to take this serious. You've come to church and you're here for a reason. This is your hour of decision. This will be your hour of decision. If you refuse Christ, you will never be the same. If you refuse Christ, you will never be the same. The rich young man, he turned away and he grieved as the scriptures say. Because when you reject the claims of Christ, that's serious. Your life will never be the same. But church, I'm here to tell you something great. But if you receive him, you will never be the same again. And that is why we come together. That is what this is all about, to be able to practice our giftings, to understand what God has done for us, and then to use it in our life. I'm so glad that for those that are here today that we're growing together, that we're understanding what relationships are about. And today, the message is, Jesus is caring enough to contend. And today we are continuing building better relationships. And as I've described over the weeks, this series is about how we can become more connected and form great relationships, not just with family, but with friends, with our spouses, with our kids, with coworkers, with people in the church. I want to refer again to the biblical word that is guiding us as we've kicked off this 
at the beginning of February. It's found here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And here's what it says. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. It says, and I will say this, just watch what God does. You know, it's been kind of exciting for me to break down Ephesians. I could just probably preach on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and we would be done. But every week I'm reminded but the different translations and how does it look and what is our responsibility? Listen, how many of you get mad when people take your parking spot? How many of you get really mad when people cut you off on the road? You know, I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to confess before everybody right here, right now behind this pulpit. I was really trying to be an imitator of Christ yesterday, but my wife and I, we pulled as I was pulling up Wally Waffle. And I want to say that I do practice the virtues of Christ, that I'm trying to be patient, but we pulled up to Wally Waffle. I didn't realize this, but this is me the whole time. Okay, so as we're pulling in and, and uh, I'm getting to my spot, I'm like, really? Man, wow, I can't even believe it. Did you really have to take that spot? What are you sitting in the middle of the parking lot for? I need to get by you. My wife so sweetly says to me, Honey, what is your problem today? I said, I don't know, but this is crazy. So she tells me that, and I proceed to move forward. And this lady's just sitting there. I think she was texting, eating dessert in her car from Wally Waffle. Didn't get the rest of the whipped cream off of her, her lip or something. I'm not sure. But anyhow, I'm just kidding. And then, um, and then she backs out, and she's sitting there. My wife tells me that. And listen, this isn't even me. I'm serious. I am patient. Kids, do you think your dad's patient? Oh. See, when they lived at home, we practiced this stuff. Now they're just kind of really twisting everything around here. Anyhow, not anymore, Dad. What's your problem? Anyhow, okay, so maybe I'm just a little bit testy and I'm a little bit impatient. But, oh, okay. And as I say, Friday night is Love Encounter, and this is why we do the class. Okay? We're very transparent up here. And if you were up here, you would probably have to be just as transparent as well. But anyhow, so... She's like, really, Todd? And I'm like, I know, man, what is my problem? (laughs) I get out of the truck, and I slam the door and go around the car. Becky's still looking at me. She's like, what is wrong with you? As she says that, I go, and I better not have to wait when I get into Wally Waffle. (laughs) You know what? I figured out what it was. I was hangry. Yep, I was just hangry, and I needed to get in there, but I would like to thank some dear friends that were there before us, that we didn't have to wait. So I'd like to thank Randy, Debbie, and Trish for you getting there early and holding this spot for us because the place was packed. And, uh, and honey, my daughter's a waitress there. We'll make up your tip later, okay? There you go. Sorry, you were off work yesterday. Ephesians 5.1. God wants us to be mirrors of his love. And you know, I'm just speaking of myself. I know how difficult it is. I know how difficult it is to speak love in truth. Speak love very boldly to the people you love. And to accept it. That's what's difficult. Accepting what someone has to say. And for me, I have to practice it on every level. You know, how many business owners are in this room? How many of you own a business in here? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 20, 40, 60, 80, 250, 5, 4. Oh, I lost track. See, all right. So we have business owners in the room. And I have to say, we have to always really practice Ephesians 5, verse 1, right? Where it says, watch what God does, and then you do it. We have to be reminded of that. So that's why I said, let's just kick off every single Sunday reminding ourselves what is important. Because if you own a business, you realize just how difficult it is because people can be difficult. 
And, uh, but, but I believe here's what is happening. We need to keep our focus, as the title says, caring enough to contend. And as we look at the life and the love of Jesus, we see how he cared enough to contend for the good of others, to speak truth when needed. When my wife spoke truth to me yesterday, I looked right at her and I said, yeah, you're right. Not really. I obviously didn't hear what she said because I would have changed my attitude. And she was loving about it. I'm serious. I mean, she was really kind and she was loving about it. But I believe we need to practice truth when needed. And she was like, Todd, you need to change your focus. And, and I'm serious. I really am not. I'm not like one of those road rage guys. I'm not. I don't know what was going on with me yesterday morning. I'm, I'm just going to blame it on being hangry. Okay? And then we'll, we'll leave it there. But I was reminded again last night as I was studying and I was putting together the message. I said, you know, God, I'm sorry that I disappoint you even in front of my wife. I'm sorry I've let you down even in front of my wife. Because if many of us were in this room, we would all be able to admit and become transparent and say, yes, I've been ticked off at my wife, and it's shown in my life. I've done what's wrong. Many of you would say, yes, I've done the same thing to my coworkers. And some of them probably look at us and ask the big question, are they Christians? Wow, you sure don't act like God. You sure don't mirror the image of God. I like what Les Perry expresses, expresses in his book called Love Like That. Now listen, if you want to love like Jesus, if you want to love like Jesus, you can't shy away from what you know is right and true. You can't remain silent just to go unnoticed. Loving like Jesus is not for the chicken hearted. It requires a fierce commitment to being authentic. Interesting, isn't it? It requires a bold commitment to being a truth teller. He corrected his disciples. Jesus spoke his mind. Would you agree? He didn't dance around what needed to be said. He said it. He made others feel uncomfortable if necessary. And Jesus challenges our false understanding of what love involves. Jesus challenges us. To break free of associating love with being soft and safe in some sort of passive a manner. Love is not passive. Love will act. Love will affirm the potential in every life and the truth that can protect every life. Love will contend. What is the definition for that? What does that mean? Contend means to actually endeavor to strive for love. Endeavor to strive for love. That's what Jesus did. Look up here. Romans 5, 8 says this. But God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love. How many of you would say, yes, pastor, I'm going to be real. I probably haven't been the greatest model of love that I could have been or should have been. And today, I'm going to change that. Today, I'm going to change my focus. I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to be different. So it says that Jesus demonstrated. Do you know what that verse is actually for? He went to the cross of Calvary to give you a hope in the future, to give you life. He demonstrated his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. We're sinners saved by God's grace. And we serve the Lord by the grace of God. Developing real genuine connection is not easy for us. And it's not easy for most of us. Most relationships maintain a level of connection that is safe. But listen... But safe has a way of becoming defined as much by what we avoid as by what we share. We will have friendships that will stay in a level of connection that's comfortable. And I want to say, yes, that's fine. That is fine. But we all need relationships that care enough to embrace what may be uncomfortable. That care enough to contend. 
and do it well. Now, you're saying, where are you going with this, Pastor? Sounds like you're saying that we're to be harsh with people. We're to be unloving with people. No, we're talking about the word love. But I think many of us, we hold back, and I'll be going into some of the points next week, the principles on how to do this and how to live a life that, that really exemplifies Christ in our life. Many of us live in two worlds when it comes to relationships. In one world, we have friendly conversations in which we avoid all disagreements. In the other, we have major conflict-type conversations that tear everybody and everything up. And in the first world, we have connection without truth. In the second, we have truth without connection. Pastor, can you repeat that again? I certainly will. Thanks for asking. I found this profound, and that's why I'm going to say it again. Watch. Many of us live in two worlds. When it comes to relationships, in one world we have friendly conversations in which we avoid all disagreements. In the other, we have major conflict-type conversations that tear everybody up and everything up. And in the first world, we have connection with truth. And in the second, we have truth without connection. God did not design us. Listen, to live in these two worlds, having these two types of relationships, he wants us to live in the one world where he lives and where truth and love coexist as allies, not adversaries. Our connections are best when they are truthful, and our truth is best when we are connected. And the Bible calls truth in love. The Bible calls this truth in love. Speaking the truth in love in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15, it says this. Speaking the truth in love, we will all and all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. And understanding that we're doing it because we know who we represent. Conversations work best when people both care for each other and tell the truth to each other. Good things happen. Great things happen. I'll I'll prove it to you this morning. People get along, resolve issues, and still maintain the connection they need. Now, many people walk up here. We have a wonderful couple that's in this room right now. I won't look that way, but they're engaged to be married, and they're sitting. If you're looking this way on the back left-hand side, so let's give them a big whoop. They just got engaged to Mitch and Heather. (laughs) Praise the Lord. People come up here, and as people come forward in their weddings, they walk up here, and then they have, you know, their sister, their cousin, or whoever it might be, and they start up here, and they're like, today, the biblical reading will be out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and let's follow together. In verse 1, it says, and then they start to quote it, if I could speak of all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. And so, you know, they always find that special person in the family, right, that just knows how to use those specific words. That knows what to say when they're speaking. You know, it's funny because all the weddings that that I do, I'm just telling you, I, I don't really stop to hear 1 Corinthians 13 because I know it starts off, go back to that again, where it says a clanging cymbal. Can I just tell you, okay, here I go again. I'm being transparent with all of you. Sometimes I think when they get up to read, it's like a clanging cymbal. I'm like, like, sometimes I have a difficult time following. So this morning, God, so I went to bed last night and I said, God, tell me really how you want me to teach people how to demonstrate your love. He said, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to. Read this. We're going to watch together. Because when I got up and I started reading it, I started really looking at the depth of what love is and how it's practiced out within the community of believers. And it's Ephesians 5. And here's what it says. 
It says this. We're going to go to verse 2. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Think about that. That's profound. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see, because love is patient and love is kind. It is not jealous or boastful. It is not proud. Nor is it rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every single circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, those partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, see things imperfectly imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror but then we will see everything with perfect clarity and all that i know now is partial and incomplete but then i will know everything completely just as god now knows me completely three things listen so here's what this is what paul is saying three things will last forever faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Church, it said you can practice your gifts. It says you can be rich, you can be poor, you can give to the poor, you can take everything that God has given you, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And I believe that Jesus was teaching that, listen, the only thing that's important is to love people. It's difficult. I confess again. It's difficult to love all people of all walks of life. Sometimes people just aren't lovely. But it wasn't about them. See, Todd, you just made it about yourself. We need to contend. We need to strive for love. We need to speak the truth. We need to challenge ourselves and be very honest. Most of us avoid speaking up. We tend to want to just appease people, keep the peace. Others may tend to speak up for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way. We may use our version of truth like a weapon. Be very careful. Both of these patterns can be self-serving. A way of protecting ourselves. I need to be heard. But what we've seen in Jesus is that he was living out of a relationship to something greater. Because Jesus, Jesus, Jesus understood that there's something else besides just himself or the other person. There's truth and goodness. And we cannot actually love someone without vowing what is true and good. You see, Jesus contended, Jesus strives for the good and against the bad. He was bold in protecting those being condemned and equally bold in challenging those who needed to be challenged with what they were thinking or doing. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? Let us pray. Father, I pray that you'll bless the next few minutes. Help us to strive for good, for love, for truth. Father, convict our spirits today. And if there's somebody in this room that needs you as Lord and Savior, May they accept you today. Hide me behind the cross and in the shadows of your love. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We're going to quickly 
swing through some examples of Jesus, number one, Jesus contending with truth and love. It be seen as a quick look at some tough, uncomfortable moments, but they are part of the greatest love ever experienced. Here are the examples of Jesus contending with truth and love. One, Mary, his mother. Nicodemus, a religious leader. Martha, his close friend and supporter. Peter, his disciple and entrusted friend. And these are the examples. Perhaps no relationship is more telling than how Jesus loved his mother. It's also noticeable that when Mary and Joseph bring the infant Jesus to the temple, there's a man, Simeon, he prays a prayer of thanksgiving and addresses Joseph and Mary with the words of warning. And he says in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 34 through 35, it says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. All right. By next week, we're going to have this fixed. Amen. I think what we're doing is we're getting some interference in here, so we'll probably have to now move all of the – this is a, a pack. So what happens with all cordless, the ACC, the LLB, the NBC, the ACCLP, um, whatever they are, they put out radio frequencies that interfere with all of this. So it's not just hitting us, but we know who the frequencies are coming from. So we'll just go ahead and use this cordless mic, and if I have to – I might get crazy and I might run down these aisles. You never know. Be very careful what might happen. <laughs> All right. So let's stay focused, right? So here we, we look at Luke's uh, biblical gospel account. He includes the incident during Christ's youth at the age of 12. When Jesus' parents discover that he is not with them as they journey home from a major trip to Jerusalem, they go back to Jerusalem, and after three days they find him in the temple courtyard. And here's what's going on. He is engaged... In public dialogue with the religious leaders, his parents were astonished, but then we hear how Mary, his mother, said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you in Luke chapter 1, verse 48. Jesus replies in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Thank you for following me. Jay, you're doing a great job, brother. Why were you searching for me, asked? Didn't you know I had... To be in my father's house, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth, them, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Right from the start, here was a relationship. There was something that rooted Jesus amidst even his closest relationships. And we hear how Mary began to be affected even by what she didn't fully understand. And in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, before Jesus officially kicked off his ministry, Mary, Jesus, and some of his disciples went to a wedding in a town called Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, which we understand what's going on here. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, Jesus said to her woman. What does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. So here he says the response may sound strange, but it was a clear word to Mary, his mother. She had known that God had sent him as the Messiah, the Savior of his people, and that conflict would arise. Jesus is telling her not to disregard God's purposes to serve her own. He's contending. For her to stay aligned with God's purposes rather than demand her own. Here's what we're, we're noticing. I'm going to step away from this because I just want to talk to you about some things here. Try to follow me today. Okay, here we go. We're going to do this in the next few minutes. Here's what's going on in the scripture. And I have about 15 different scriptures that I want to share with you today. Jesus was speaking the truth. So I'm going to go through some of these characters very quickly 
without even looking at my notes so that we can all follow this, and then we'll close. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, this is while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, brothers. His mother and his brothers which stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother. This is my brother's. Everybody is my brother and sister that what whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So we start to notice that he was talking about his father. He was busy about contending, striving for his father. Number two, he's contending for joining the will of the father. Okay, so we started off with. God is meeting our needs. In what way? We bring our requests to him. God knows our heart. But in the dialogue, we start to notice that there was a man named Nicodemus. So he speaks openly to his mother. His mother starts to find out what kind of person he is, that he is the son of God. She looks at him during the wedding at Cana and says, hey, they're out of liquor. Every time I say that, my kids have laughed. They're like, Dad, what is that? Well, my dad owned two bars. And so when I don't say like top shelf, middle shelf, low class, high class, I don't know. I just always called it liquor, right? As in liquor or what? I don't know. But um, so they were out of wine. And she says, come on. I know who you are. Do something about it. Perform a miracle right here, right now. Do it. And Jesus looked at her and said, Mother. This is not my time. See, because he never made it about himself. He always made it about his heavenly father. Even when he was on uh, doing the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He, He recognized the holiness of it. And he said, Listen, disciples, pray like this. Then there was a man named Nicodemus who was lost, who needed born again. And it says in John chapter 3, verse verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do useless unless, I'm sorry, God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do know these things? Here's what Nicodemus did. He came to know Jesus. His life was transformed. How many in this room do not know who Jesus is? Maybe your life has been kind of uh, not good. Maybe you've struggled quite a bit because you don't understand what being born again is about. But Nicodemus knew that. And guess who shows up? At the crucifixion, the guy who changed, it says he was one of the Pharisees. Do you know what a Pharisee is and a Sadducee? They were mockers. They were saying, listen, he's not the rabbi. We're still looking for, he's just a teacher. We're looking for the true Messiah. That's what they were doing. They were onlookers. Many like us in this room, just watching but not living it. And if you've just been watching and not living out Christ, Today's the beginning for you because he loves you and he needs you. It's important. It says in John chapter 19, verse 28, here's what it reads. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it in hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, bowing his head. He gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, Passover was coming, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, and the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they may be taken away. And the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Now, I, I love as this plays out, so I wanted to read it to you today. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he was 
seen has testified and his testimony is true and he knows that he's telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says they shall look on him whom they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And here is a child of the Most High God. Born again, says, wait a minute, and watch what the scriptures say up here. And Nicodemus, comma, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Nicodemus understood who Jesus was. His life was transformed. His life was changed. We go to church, but we don't live out our responsibility to Christ. We don't live out the characteristics of Christ, not understanding the importance of what our role is and what we need to do. And then there was Martha. Martha and Mary are together, and we'll quickly say this, and then I will close. This is now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Mary was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered. Now watch, he speaks in love, but he speaks in truth. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Do you see what is taking place here? Martha was looking. See, where your face is turned is where your focus goes. Listen, our world is stressed. We are in a time where many Christians are looking at me, asking me this question as a pastor. Are you afraid? No, I'm not. Because you know, I know the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I know the one who has streets of gold and gates of pearl. I know the one who sits on the throne, who is the king of kings and lord of lords, who is the beginning And the end. I know the one who we get to experience through his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. What is real. I'm here to tell you church and I'm going to speak truth in love. So you saw it. Jesus spoke to his mother out of love. He spoke to Nicodemus out of love. He spoke to Martha out of love. You know what our problem is? We're not letting the world know that people need Jesus. Amen. How many of you believe that people need Christ? Amen. That's why we're here. This is why we serve the Lord. As I close, I want you to think this through. There's so much to be said. And I want us to understand the depth of what Jesus was saying and doing. Jesus, and I, and I will say this as I kind of wrap things up, and there, there's so much to, to be said, but I will say this. There was Simon Peter, who his brother introduced Jesus to Simon Peter. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says that sweat drops of blood came down his brow. And all he asked of his three close friends was, please, Please be watchful. Be mindful. 
And yet it was at that moment that as the guards came, that even Peter, who took out the sword and cut off the ear of that man, that Jesus in love said, put the sword down from about my father's business. But how did Peter end up in that crowd? How was he there? It doesn't make sense to me. This is a guy that not once, but twice and three times denied who he was. None of this makes sense. Who would ever hang out with a friend that does not exemplify and demonstrate the love of the Messiah, Jesus? Yet Jesus kept him close by. And he even told him before the cock crows the third time, you will deny me. Yet he was still in the Garden of Gethsemane. How does that happen? It only happened because of the love that our Father has for all of humanity. And that's the depth of love that he has. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Peter was disillusioned. He lost his focus. Maybe you've lost your focus. Maybe you've been into Facebook too much. Maybe you've been at the bar too much. Maybe you've been into pornography too much. Whatever it might be, God wants to deliver you today. He says, I'm your friend. He said, I went to the cross to give you life. So what do we see in these examples? We see in Jesus a love that was so committed to the good of those he loved. That he would contend for their good. His was actually contending for them. For the sake of guiding them towards what was. It's also striking is that each of these lives were those he stayed connected to. He stayed committed to. And in the end, each would know that they had an experience, a love like no other. He was committed to revealing the path that aligned with what is true and what is good. And I'm going to tell you as a, as a minister, I have some friends that are in this room. But if you come to church today, I have a responsibility to tell you the truth and to speak it in love. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, you're dying and going to hell. Wow, that's hard. Well, Jesus also told the rich man, so you can either receive it or reject it. Jesus went to a cross and he died for us. He went up as we are embarking upon the Easter season. He went up that Via Della Rosa. And he carried the cross, the sins of this world, the crown of thorns were on his head. The cat and nine tails struck the side, ripped out his guts and his flesh. Yet he was crucified because it said, for God so loved. Because he cares for you. And it all started in just that one moment. When he said, here I am, I surrender. Maybe you haven't been surrendered. Understand your role. Understand your place. Understand who your Savior is. If you don't know him, listen to me, church. I want to go to heaven and experience the glory of our Father. Jesus said, I was about my Father's business. So he did. He preached Jesus and his Father everywhere. Paul, John the Baptist, they were baptizing. People were getting filled with the Spirit. Listen, don't be limited because of what you think is right. Do what the Heavenly Father says is right. When was the last time you surrendered? Surrender your life to Him. Surrender your love. Surrender your will. Martha got distracted, didn't she? She said, look what I'm doing. I'm a big deal. She said, I'm serving you, Jesus. What about her? All she's doing is sitting at your feet. 
It doesn't matter where you're at. If you're at the feet of Jesus or you're at the foot of the cross, God loves you. Let's stand as we pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, I thank you for your love. I know that in Proverbs it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I know that in Ephesians 4 you say, speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Father, help us to strive to love you more. To live life more abundantly in you, for you, and through you. God, help us to love people that are unlovely. God, help us to understand that everything we do needs to be about you, needs to mirror you, and Father, needs to exemplify the characteristics of love. Father, forgive me for many ways of not being patient and kind and gentle. God, I know as we move forward in the next week, Lord, you'll, you show us that through these examples how we can practice love in our walk. So, God, for those that aren't in this room, that are here, that are standing with their heads bowed and their eyes are closed, maybe they need you today. Maybe they've been dealing with some real difficult issues in their life and they need freed from it. As the old hymn says, just as I am without one plea, that you shed your blood for thee. God, you were there for us. So we come today just as we are. If there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, may they understand one, may they admit that you are Jesus, the Son of God. May they believe that, know that you came into this world to give them a hope, a life, a future. May they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that you raised Jesus from the grave and from the dead. Father, you said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, God, we confess our sins before you, our will before you. God, move in this sanctuary. And if there's somebody here that does not know the benefits of heaven, Father, may they come and speak with me. There's a church full of people who want to see each and every person saved. You didn't go to the cross for the passion drama. You went to the cross to save the world. God, right now, we pray for your hand upon our nation, upon Ukraine. Upon those people, God, we pray that your will would be done, that you would watch over the world. That whatever happens, God, you are in control and that your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.